The IBRT's Threadless Store is now open. T-shirts, hoodies, even phone cases and protective face masks are now available at our very own merch outlet, iceboxradio.threadless.com. Choose from the IBRT logos, Scoop Sisters, Funny in a Small Town, Frozen Frights, and more. Then choose your merch. Clothing for men, women, and kids in a variety of colors. Accessories including buttons, stickers, mugs, and tote bags. Even notebooks and skateboards are available, and every sale helps the Icebox Radio Theater continue to bring the Northland's stories to the world. That's the Icebox Radio Merch Store at iceboxradio.threadless.com or just visit iceboxradio.org. Ladies and gentlemen, the ringing of that phone bell brings you Mystery Adventure. Nero Wolf's office, Archer Goodwin speaking. Mr. Wolf, he's right here, but who is... You what? Archie, you look bewildered. Uh, So you'll be when this client gets here, Mr. Wolf. He says he's got a date. For murder. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, it's the detective who rates the knife and fork, the greatest tools ever invented by a man. The ponderous, brilliant, and unpredictable Nero Wolf, created by Rex Stout and brought to you in a series of new adventures over this Icebox radio network in the person of Justin Kapla. Tonight's story, The Case of the Calculated Risk, was as strange and baffling a one as Nero Wolf ever had to deal with. And take it from me, Archie Goodwin... We've had some honeys. Before this one was over, though, we didn't even know if we'd survive it ourselves. It started late one night, when a big-shouldered man sporting a reddish beard and billing himself as Dave Caffrey pushed his way in, walked up to Nero Wolf's desk, and rocked him with this opener. Tomorrow morning, Mr. Wolf, I'm going to kill a man. I beg your pardon, sir. I'm going to kill a man with these two hands. I've been told strange things across this desk, Mr. Caffrey. This is the first time a murderer has confided his intention to me in advance. Who prays your victim to be? I'm not telling you his name. I'm, I'm not telling you where I'm to meet him. This session's tomorrow is going to be private and personal. But if anything happens to me between now and then, I want you to take over. Mr. Caffrey, do you seriously think I could possibly assist you in a matter of private vengeance or even... That's not what I'm asking. This guy deserves to die. I plan to kill him with these two hands, me, myself. But if I fail, if he gets to me first, I want you to see that justice is done. But I assure you, sir, then not... I told you this guy deserves to die. Let me tell you why, and then you'll see. Two years ago, down south, there were three men in business together. Partners, me and two others. Your notebook, Archie? If Mr. Caffrey doesn't mind. You're wasting your time, Wolf. The names I'll use will be phony. I won't give you anything you can check back on. We'll take our chance, sir. Archie? I got the notebooks right here, boss. Mr. Caffrey, please proceed. It happened in a town about 40 miles from the place we had our business. We'd gone to collect some money, and the three of us, Carl, Mitch, and me, Dave Caffrey. But we had collected all, but all we had collected was bad news. So bad that Carl hadn't even used our real names at the hotel. Said he was scared some of our creditors would come hitting us up for what we owed. The three of us had had some drinks, and we'd been pacing around for nearly an hour. I can still remember why Mitch stood, and the way Mitch stood and looked at me in the the face, and then up at Carl, and Carl stopped and came out with this idea of his. 
It's as simple as pepper and salt, fellows. We've got 6,000 cash on hand. You've counted it, Mitch. Uh, didn't we make it 6240, Carl? Uh, whichever. Yeah. We've got 6,000 odd, plus some slow accounts receivable against debts of 38,000. With three of us trying to live from business, we haven't got a chance. Well, we might not have much of money, Carl, but... It's hopeless, Dave. With two partners, though... With two partners? You reckon on pulling out, Carl? I say we cut cards for it. Low man drops out. Break up the partnership after sticking together all these years? Wait, wait a minute, Dave. Maybe, maybe Carl's right. Maybe this could work. <laughs> what else will? Carl, you mean low man drops out clean right now? Right now, Mitch. Are the two to take over assets and debts and see if they can get this thing back in the black? Okay, Carl. Get the cards out. Dave? Well, if it's what you guys want. Okay. Here's a new deck. Shuffle it, Mitch. And shuffled. Cut him, Dave. All right, go ahead, Mitch. You get first pick. Spread him out if you like. Uh, here goes. Ah, a six. Your turn, Dave. Okay. Nine of clubs. Huh, lucky pull, Dave. That puts you in whatever Carl pulls. I'll pull it fast. There she is. An ace. I'm sorry, Mitch. That leaves you elected. Well, Mitch, I'm sorry, too. I guess we all had a fair whack at it, but I... Wait, wait. Let me see that ace again, Carl. Easy now, Mitch. I said I was sorry, but let's not... Look, Dave. What is it, Mitch? All the aces are marked. Carl, I'm gonna cram this deck right down your crooked throat, and you won't zip... Mitch! Carl! Go. Mitch, look out! He's got a knife! Carl, you can't... You did. Carl, you... All right, I've cut him for keeps. What do we do now? What do we do now? Look, Carl, I didn't mark those cards, and I didn't kill Mitch, and what's Listen, more, you Listen, you, you get wise and fast. The law won't make no distinction between us. We're in it both just by being here. Now come on, let's go. We've we got to act fast. separate here, Dave. We can't be seen together. Two men together are always, are always easy to trace than if we go separate ways. Look, we'll, uh, we'll meet up three months from today in front of the public library in Detroit. Then we'll see. But the dough. I've got no money. Did you think I'd forget about that, you dope? Here, I divided the money in two. Here's your share on this envelope. Put it in your pocket. Now, that freight train coming, you grab this one, and I'll grab the next one going in the opposite direction. I'll meet you in Detroit. Three months. Right. And that's how it was, Mr. Wolf. Mm. This man you call Carl. You would seem to be one of the world's choice creatures, Mr. Caffrey. Do you wish me to guess what happened then? No, but you could. When I thought to look in that envelope he gave me, I found $40 and a few folds of wrapping paper in it. I was mad, burning mad. I jumped off that freight intending to go back, and but I picked up the local newspaper. Know what I read? All about the murder of your friend Mitch, with the statement that Carl had accused you of the crime, and with the police believing him in view of your escape. That's it. Classical. Not at all original. Classical. And you fell for it. I was young then, and stupid. And then you spent the intervening years hunting down this man Carl, am I correct? 
Or did he remain in your hometown? You bet he didn't. He knew I'd come back. No, he skipped, and I tramped the country from east to west, north to south. Tramped it for years searching for him, and yesterday I found him. I followed him. I saw how he's doing and his snazzy secretary and thriving business and modern suite on offices on the 39th floor of... Yes, Mr. Caffrey? You were about to make a mistake. On the 39th floor of which building? Wouldn't you like to know? Now, see here, Caffrey, if you expect Mr. Wolf to help you... I don't want him to help me. I'll help myself. But if I fail, I know Mr. Wolf's reputation well enough to know that he'll never rest till this rotten, chiseling's murder's sitting in the chair. That's why I've come here. Just to provide backstop in case my dear friend manages to get the best of me. And how will we know? You see this envelope? Read what it says. Narrow Wolf, 601 West 35th Street, New York. Delivered to him in case of my death. That's right. In this envelope is $500, nearly all the money I've got in the world. Also, there's our full details of the murder I described to you and proof you'll need in case I fail. Tonight, Mr. Wolf, I'm going to give this envelope to the manager of the hotel where I'm stopping. If I'm not back to my hotel by 1 o'clock tomorrow, the manager will deliver this envelope to you. I'm calling on my friend at noon, right after his secretary goes to lunch. Is that clear? Perfectly. But you don't think I'm going to allow you to go through with this wild plan, do you? You can't stop me, brother. And don't try to follow me, either of you. I'll lose without you any trouble at all. Good night. Well, shall I try to tail him, boss? It's no use, Archie. He's right. Knowing you're tailing him, he could lose you easily. The guy's mad. Stark raving mad. Yes, but he means every word of what he said. I'm sure of that. Get Inspector Kramer on the phone at once. Wolf called Inspector Kramer the minute Caffrey left, asking for police help in heading off the murder. Kramer nearly laughed into the phone when Wolf put it to him, taking action on a murder that hadn't even happened, a murder of one unknown by another. But he got it out to the radio cars. It was two hours later, after Wolf had started one of his other operatives out on his own to check on the Midtown Hotels, when Kramer called back. Wolf? Yes, Inspector. Might be I owe you an apology. Looks as if we've caught up with your red-bearded friend. Caffrey? Yeah. Where? In a subway washroom, not four blocks from your office. You say caught up with him, Inspector? Yeah, the man I'm talking about is dead. If you want to send Goodwin down to the morgue here, we could use some help on the identification. Narrow Wolf's office. It's Archie, boss. You're at the morgue, I take it? Yeah. It was Caffrey, all right, mugged and stabbed. Wallet gone, pockets cleared out, and no envelope. The envelope with the supposed $500? Gone. Witnesses? Well, none so far. Homicide is calling it a straight mugging and robbery. As it might well look. Except for? Except for a guy named Carl. How much do I tell Kramer? All of it. Ask the inspector to start queries on the original killing. What year did it occur? And where? Don't be impertinent, Archie. It's our best chance of getting a description of this Carl person. The original killing and the partnership. Starting from, say, eight years ago and working backward to the middle 20s. Tell him to concentrate on towns with railway lines. Putting out pictures of Caffrey and... Yes, uh, pictures, dentistry, fingerprints to Washington. Kramer will know how. And if I come across a haystack, boss, do we keep an eye out for needles? We're going to find Carl, Archie. 
We're going to find him if it takes from now until doomsday. Ah, uh, Mr. Wolf, let's face it, we're licked. Licked, Archie? It's been three days now. Blank, blank, and blank. Okay, we found Caffrey's hotel here in New York. No traceable phone calls, and... Okay, we've got a girl wasting her beautiful blue eyes on back newspaper files at the library. No progress. Not a witness has turned up on the subway washroom party, and Kramer says he's getting nowhere with those answers from Washington. The original story is bound to come slowly, Archie. We're asking for a check on the unsolved killings from a dozen states over a 20-year period. And the principals weren't even known in the town where the killing took place. Kramer's almost ready to put it down for what it looked like to start with. A mugging with the money he had on him. And you, Archie? Oh, I'll stick with you. I think he found Carl, then Carl got the jump on him in that subway station. Well, then you better start trudging, Archie. Trudging? Through office buildings. Through the 39th floor of many office buildings. You keep trudging till we find him. Oh, now, wait a minute, boss. This is a big city, remember? I might have to go through hundreds of buildings. This morning, the Municipal Reference Library informed me that there are exactly 34 buildings of 39 floors or higher in Manhattan. Now, when you rule out the United Nations building, hotels, and... Okay, maybe not so many 39 floors, but lots of offices per floor. Maybe, what, 40 or 50? Call it 30 times 40, and you've still got 1,200 to start with. And you don't know what kind of business. You don't even know what Kyle's real name is. You don't even know what he looks like. There could be 4,000 men in those 1,200 offices. 4,000 affluent men, Archie. Yeah, all right. So Caffrey said he was in the chips. For a guy who's been bumming around, that could mean anything from 10 grand a year on up. Say that cuts your field to 1,000. 1,000 tall men? Tall? I've been over those notes. Caffrey didn't say he was tall. Well, in so many words, no. But Caffrey was almost your height. But he said Mitch stood up and looked at me, then up at Carl. Up, Archie. Hmm. That makes Carl your height or taller? Well, maybe Caffrey and Mitch were sitting down and Carl was... Caffrey told us that the three were standing at the time. Check your notes. Okay, maybe that cuts it down some. It's still a lot of citizens to start checking. You do have one other help, you know. Age? Precisely. Caffrey was 50 or more. Given that it was a partnership and given the whole feel of Caffrey's story, I doubt that Carl could have been much younger than the others. Hmm, well... Give him a wide margin and he'd still have to be 40 or over today. And so we narrow it down. A man in town here three nights ago, almost surely tall, 40 or over, reasonably prosperous, in business on the 39th floor of a Manhattan building. And a man not now using the name he was born with. A man with an unexplained gap in his past. Well, I ought to be able to reach right out and tap him. Grow skeptical again, Archie? It's a, still a pretty big haystack. Well, let's see if we can't trim it some more. On these building lists I've been going over, I've ruled out, for now, the members of professions requiring lengthy formal training. Medical men, lawyers, scientists, most kinds. Yeah. Uh, architects? Publishers? Architects out, publishers in. Hmm. We're passing over older banks, family-held concerns where no change of ownership has occurred for, say, three decades, recently arrived foreigners, and, of course, non-profit-making organizations. We're authentic. Well, that's chopping it down. I'll admit that. I'll have further eliminations as we get into it. We've got 90-odd offices for you to start with, and I'm putting another operative on a second list this afternoon. Hmm. Some of the credit references I'll handle by phone. So I start trudging. You start trudging. 
And remember, Archie, since you'll probably be operating through secretaries, we're looking for a murderer named Carl. Not a new set of phone numbers to brighten your winter. Uh-huh. Uh, look, Miss Steele, uh, when I see a redhead like you, I say there's a girl with a smart boss, and a boss smart enough to pick himself out of one girl public relations department. Yeah, probably a man who came up the hard way and knows how to... <laughs> the hard way, Mr. Goodwin? It was Mr. Anderson's grandfather who started this business. Well, I uh, guess you could call it a survey of executive resources, Miss Levin. Uh, take the owner of this business, this J.J. Owens. If he's had experience in other fields outside of glassware, you know, say if he were a plastics man... Mr. Uh, Goodwin, J.J. Owens has never been a plastic man or any other kind of man. Hmm. The J.J. stands for Jane Jennifer Owens. And I'm busy for lunch, if that's what you're leading up to. Tall. I don't know what you're peddling, Goodwin, but if my boss put on his elevator shoes and stood on a box, he'd still be down somewhere near my necktie. If he stood on his money, however, we'd need a helicopter to get up to his shoelaces. Miss Tunis, do you mind if I sit down? Why, of course not, Mr. Goodwin. Oh, thanks. Do you know, I've been in 12 offices on this floor, and you're the first girl who's seen the importance of this survey first crack out of the box. Well, I'm sort of new here, and I try to pay attention whenever you're there's not some... just beautiful. You've got a head on your shoulders. Is Mr. McLean in? He's at lunch right now, but I could try lunch. and... Lunch? Well, you know, that reminds me. You know any good restaurants up this way? Well, I was just going down to the drugstore myself, but oh, I wouldn't say no to... <laughs> Put on your bonnet and let's skip the drugstore. This meal is on the Executive Resources Survey. Well, there you are, boss. Results of a thorough search. Tinsley, McLean, Fernandez, Tessero, and Kaplan. All five of them tall, all five a little misty in the background. You've done well, Archie. Very well. But I'm crossing off Fernandez and Kaplan. Why? Well, the Credit Bureau report clears Fernandez and Kaplan was on a special war job. The FBI x-rayed his records twice. Uh, leaving J.P. Tinsley, Carson McLean, and Philip Tesro. I'd like to see all three, Archie. Get them here one way or another. Mm. <coughs> and so you do admit that Tinsley isn't your real name. Mr. Wolf, are you a, a blackmailer or what? I'm a licensed private investigator, sir. Any disclosure you make will be kept in confidence. But you haven't said what the case is. And I don't intend to. If you'd prefer to explain this mysterious gap in your background at the district attorney's office, I'll, then... All right, Mr. Wolf. I, I'm not scared of the DA's office, but uh, I'd rather handle this quietly. Good. Proceed. I'm using the name Tinsley because I've got an undivorced first wife out on the coast. So we, we broke up 20 years ago, but she said she'd see to it that I never married again. If she knew uh, where I was, well, I don't say I'm a saint, but she's a very vindictive woman. I see. May I have names, dates, and places starting in, say, 1924? I can't quite understand your interest, Mr. Wolf. Well, it's rather complicated to put briefly, Mr. McLean. I'm working in the interest of a client, I can tell you that much. 
Our people have found this puzzling gap in your background, and I'd appreciate such clarification as you may be able to supply. But I told you, Mr. Goodwin, I I was raised and educated in the Orient. Until 32, I was in business with my father in China. Where you say your father died? Where my father died. With this depression, I returned to New York, starting this importing house in a small way. I weathered through the early 30s, and I think my bankers can assure you of my standing today. Well, they've done so. Carson McLean and company has an excellent credit rating. Well, thank you, Mr. Wolf. To switch somewhat abruptly, Mr. McLean, would you happen to remember how you spent the evening of the 19th? Of this month? Of this month. Well, I could hardly... Wait, you say the 19th. Would that have been a Tuesday? Yes, I believe it was a Tuesday. Well, that simplifies it. I'm nearly always at the office on Tuesday nights, dictating the revisions in our weekly wholesalers list. Let me see. I... Yes, yes, I was there on the 19th. I had a tray sent in, and Miss Tunis and I were till just after midnight. Miss Helen Tunis, the secretary Mr. Goodwin spoke of? She's been with me two or three months. Miss Tunis can confirm these dictations then on the night of the 19th? Of course. But, Mr. Wolf, your manner is so persuasive that I'd scarcely realize you were asking some extraordinarily searching questions. Might I ask, why in the world do you... If you'll indulge me, Mr. McLean, my prying is nearly concluded. You say you were in China until 1932? Mr. Tessro, I'll be brutally frank. We know your name's not Tessro, and we know that you served a prison term from 34 to 38 for arson. I'd like some straight answers. I didn't say I wouldn't answer your questions. Your past will remain your own, provided that Look, you're... Mr. Wolf, I've been going straight for 12 years, and this insulation business of mine is on the level. If this is a shakedown, I'm I... I'm only asking where you were on the night of the 19th. And I'm telling you, I stayed in town, ate alone, went to a movie, and caught the 1135 train for Stamford. And that's all there is to it. You're denying that you were ever in business in the South? I was born in the South... But I hadn't been back there since I was a kid. And the arson? I put four years squaring up for that mistake. Let's start again, Mr. Tessero. You say you were in Cincinnati in 1931? 30 and 31, I... Okay, Mr. Wolf. Three candidates and we're still stuck on our own one-yard line. Tesro, McLean, Tinsley. Now, rule out McLean... He gave enough references for those years in China, and with Helen Tunis, he's got one firm alibi we've laid on to. Caffrey got it before midnight. With conditions as they are in the Far East, Archie, it could be weeks before cables come back in McLean's claims. Claims? Oh, you figure the whole Chinese background is a fake? I want you to see Miss Tunis again, Archie, taking all precautions for her safety. And this is one time I give you permission to ply her with all the attentions <laughs> you can possibly contrive. <laughs> Are you far enough to put tails on any of these three? Already done. Tails on all three, and I sent pictures to Inspector Kramer for circulation in the south. No answers yet from the coast about Tinsley? None yet. For the moment, Archie, you concentrate on Helen Tunis. Helen, I've got to see you tonight. Well, Archie, I'd love oh, to, look, Helen, but I... I phoned you to come out in the corridor this way because I didn't want McLean to know what we're talking do you still say you got that new Ming Coda on your own money? Mr. McLean said his wife might be sending detectives around. Well, you can go back to old Mrs. McLean and tell easy, her... Easy, Helen, easy. He was dictating to me, and... You know, Helen, the harder you lie, the prettier you look. 
But if this is a fake alibi, and if you keep propping it up, you're going to find yourself in trouble. Bad trouble. How about it? Do I see you at your apartment tonight, or would you rather come down to with me to Nero Wolf's right now? Archie, I... <sighs> All right. I can't go with you now, but I've got a dinner date with my aunt, and I can't reach her by phone to break it. But I will try to be back at my apartment by 11. This is Archie, Mr. Wolf. I'm, uh, I'm at Helen Tunis's apartment. Well? <sighs> I could cut my own throat for not making her come with me this afternoon. What's wrong? You wouldn't believe it, Mr. Wolf. I got here three minutes ago and found... She's been strangled to death. Couldn't have happened more than half an hour ago. McLean. Yeah, right. It must be McLean. Didn't you assign somebody to jail him? He was a new man and he lost him. I should have left you on McLean, Archie. Yeah, we were both wrong. What do you want me to do? Inform the police immediately. This is 32nd Street. I'm only three blocks from the office. What if I come back to you and call from there? Come back then. I'll call Kramer myself. Mr. Wolf, I'm still kicking myself <laughs> Look out, Archie! Too late, Mr. Wolf. You keep coming right in, Goodwin. With your hands up. No! I wouldn't try that. McLean? And you keep your hand out of that desk drawer, Wolf. This time you're too late, McLean. My hand's in the drawer, and I think I shall leave it there. You don't think I'd shoot? I'm sure you would. But you've only got two of us to cover now. No, Archie. Don't try to draw yet. How'd you get in here, McLean? Ask your brilliant employer and keep those hands steady. Archie, my sense of shame is as keen at the moment as any knife ever wielded by Mr. McLean here. He surprised me after breaking in through the downstairs kitchen. Of course, it had to be Fritz's night off. I caught your fat friend just two seconds before he could call the police, Goodwin. I overheard his talk with you from the hallway there. My apologies for not crying out sooner, Archie. Uh, it was my fault, Mr. Wolf. I should have... No, no, the fault was mine. It was an exceedingly tasteless scarf in my mouth. Hmm. And when Mr. McLean swung over you to cover. Took me a moment to expel it. Too bad you wasted your time putting your hand in that drawer. Now, why don't you pull it out without the gun, Wolf? I refuse to, McLean. It seems obvious that you mean to kill us in any case. I'm afraid that's true. Up till now, I didn't see how they could get me for that old knifing or for the murder in that subway bathroom, but when you called me in for questioning and Goodwin started making dates with Helen, too. You leave her out of this. She didn't tell me anything. I know, but she didn't tell me anything either. A little warning would have been nice. I've been concerned about you two ever since that night I followed Colby here. Colby? You knew him as Caffrey. It doesn't matter since I caught up with him in that subway washroom. No, you keep that hand up, Goodwin. And watch it, Wolf! Don't move that hand in that drawer. When I found that envelope on him and read that letter to you, I knew he hadn't spilled the entire South Carolina story to you. South Carolina? Would the original knifing have taken place anywhere near Hampton or Jasper counties? Hampton County. But our business was over the line in Georgia. It doesn't matter now. It's a shame, Archie. We learned this afternoon that we were getting warm on South Carolina. Mr. McLean, may I ask what you hope to achieve by this insane project of disposing of Mr. Goodwin and myself? I'm buying time, Wolf. Same as I had to do this afternoon when Helen Tunis started asking embarrassing questions. I've 90000 in small bills in the bag there, plus a plane ticket to Buenos Aires. Passport and tickets in a name neither you nor the police know about. I've got a silencer on this gun, and if you two aren't found till tomorrow morning, 
I'll be out of the country before they even start to look for me. You're forgetting, sir. This is not your first murder today. Helen Tunis? Goodwin left it to you to report that, remember? Let's remind ourselves to be prompter on reporting deaths, Archie. Yeah, starting with our own. Oh, I'm glad you're taking it so well, Goodwin. I'm not taking anything, McLean. Do you actually think you can knock the two of us off? We're about to find out. One moment. You've never been a real gambler, McLean. You played with marked cards with your partners. So I don't think you're going to take a real chance now. A real chance? The loss of your life. A surety within seconds after you pull that trigger. I have a silencer, remember? Do you think anyone will hear the shots? Oh, it's not the sound of the shots you should be concerned with. It's the number of them. My hand's on a pistol in this drawer, and Mr. Goodwin has a thirty-eight in his shoulder holster. Whichever one of us you shoot first, the other will have ample opportunity to return fire. You can't shoot through that desk, and Goodwin won't get the chance to draw. You're an intelligent man, McLean. Vicious, but intelligent. May I describe the certainty of your immediate death if you don't throw that pistol of yours on the desk and give yourself up? Oh, there's two of you. I know that, but there's... McLean, you must be aware that very few men are killed instantly with a single bullet, even from a pistol of heavy caliber. I assure you, neither of us will surrender the weapons we have. Should you start shooting, we'll both do our best to draw and keep firing until you are dead. You're stalling. And what do I have to lose by trying for both of you now? Your life, of course. Or, to be exact, the six to eight weeks your life will be extended for the necessary time to bring you to trial, convict, and execute you for the murders you have committed. Perhaps longer, perhaps even months, but definitely longer than the mere seconds promised by your current path. If I start shooting now, are you trying to say- I'm informing you as clearly as I can that you may kill one of us, but the other will surely kill you. But if I put the first one through Goodwin's heart- I wouldn't start with Mr. Goodwin, McLean. He's young and tough. And I'm sure he'll move in the split second your finger tightens on the trigger, making an accurate shot at his heart a difficult feat indeed. All right, suppose I cancel you out and take my chances with Goodwin. A better choice, but still a dubious one. I'm fat. Exceedingly fat. And for perhaps the first time in my life, I am thoroughly grateful for it. You see, my bulk affects the calculation, Mr. McLean. Uh, no, that's right. You could pull off all seven shots, McLean, and still not hit Mr. Wolf where it counts. Well, you exaggerate, Archie, but I thank you for the gallantry of it. It's quite likely that with two or three shots, Mr. McLean might well dispose of me, but not with his first shot, and will not permit you more than that. <clears throat> Look, if I promised to do no more than tie you two up, to give me a head start, will you toss in your guns? Of course not. Do I speak for us both, Archie? A check. I say let's start it now. W Wolf? If I give you half of what's in that bag, would you forget these admissions I've made and help help on my defense? I told you I refused to bargain. And frankly, I'm beginning to share Mr. Goodwin's feeling that this undignified strain isn't to be tolerated further. I think I shall count to five. If your weapon hasn't been tossed on this desk by then, I'll do my best to get my pistol into action. Are you in accord, Archie? Start counting. Wait, wait, Mr. Wolf, wait. One? If, if I trade half that bag for no shooting and a one hour's head start, no, no tying up, just a promise. Two? That, uh, all the money in that bag for half an hour's head start. N Ninety thousand! Three? You ready, Archie? All set, sir. Except, do me a favor, would you? If you're the one who walks out of this, call up every number in my little black book and tell each girl I was thinking of her just before you got to five. Agreed. I resume. Four. Okay, okay. Okay, you, you win. 
Holy sweet Susan, it worked. I can't believe it worked. A commendable choice, McLean. For us, at least. You see, I'm afraid I forgot to mention one slight factor which might have operated in your favor. Oh, what's that, boss? I must confess, Archie, my 45 is in the upstairs den, where I took it last night to oil it. Holy cow, you didn't have a gun? Why, you, you dirty... Hey, ra- easy, McLean, I've really got one. Oh, and by the way, Mr. Wolf, signals off on calling those women, I'll call them myself when my heart gets back down out of my throat! If I could trouble you for a beer first, Archie, and then if you'd be good enough to phone Inspector Kramer, you can bid him to come pick up his triple murderer. This one-time cutter of cards, who, luckily for us, has never been a real gambler. Nero Wolf, The Case of the Calculated Risk from the Icebox Radio Theater, was recorded before a live audience at the Salty Jester, a performance club in International Falls, Minnesota, on November 18, 2023. It starred Justin Kapla as Wolf, James Yunt as Archie, Ian Hall played Caffrey, Jeffrey Adams was Inspector Kramer, Caleb Silvers played McLean, Karen Schickel was Miss Tunis, and Caleb Silvers, Carice Boyer, and Scotta Turner were the secretaries. Other voices provided by the talented cast. The script was written by Charles O'Neill. The IBRT's production, directed by Jeffrey Adams. Sound effects by Diane Adams. Partial funding for the Icebox Radio Theater provided by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Minnesota State Arts Board thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund. For more information on the Icebox Radio Theater, visit iceboxradio.org. Thank you.